Let us worship God and sing to his praise in the Metrical Psalm number 95. The verses marked one to six, five stanzas of the Metrical Psalm number 95. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Come, let us every one a joyful noise make to the rock of our salvation. The Metrical Psalm number 95, to God's praise. Let us draw near to God in prayer. Let us pray. Gracious and ever-blessed God, we thank you for this renewed opportunity of drawing near to you. You are eternal in your being, 
and changing your nature, wondrously generous in your amazing love and grace to sinners such as we are. We bless you for your abundant goodness, and we are witnesses of that this very day, because your blessings are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. You are infinite in mercy, for you have not dealt with us as our sins deserved. For as far as east is from the west, so far have you removed our transgressions from us. It is like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth those who fear him. And we come to you this day to thank you, Lord, that you in Jesus Christ have dealt with our sins. You have blessed us in him with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. You have washed away our sins. You have brought us into your family. You have adopted your children to be your own, and you have brought them into a living and lasting and eternal relationship with yourself. Blessings which were freely given to us, but at the cost of Christ's life being laid down. We thank you that he left the realms of glory and came down and identified with us, taking bone of our bone and flesh of our flesh, he whom angels worshipped and enjoyed unclouded fellowship within the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, We bless you, Lord, that in that eternal felicity that he enjoyed perfect blessedness, and yet he didn't claim his rights, but he humbled himself and took the form of a servant, taking your nature to himself yet without sin, and set his face to fulfill the task for which he came, to stand in for his people, to die their death, to bear their shame, to secure their redemption and to buy them back to yourself at the cost of his precious blood which was freely shed for us. We thank you that with the apostle that we can say the Son of God loved us and gave himself for us. We thank you for the atoning death of the Lord Jesus Christ, for the efficacy of that blood that was shed for his glorious resurrection that he was raised on the third day, and that this day he is seated, King of kings and Lord of lords, at the right hand of the majesty on high, far above all principalities and powers and every name that is named, King of kings and Lord of lords, the one who reigns and rules supreme, working his purposes out as year succeeds to year. And Lord, in this confused and troubled age, we thank you that with John of old, that he looked into heaven, that he saw a throne, and one sitting upon it, and that Christ is still seated there, ruling and working his purposes out. Sometimes, Lord, it is so difficult for us to understand and to see a purpose, yet we thank you that you are weaving your purposes for the good of your people and for the glory of your great name. So we come today to acknowledge your great goodness, your wonderful kindness to us. You have not dealt with us as our sins deserved, but you have taken us and 
adopted us as your own. And when we think of all the blessings that we have received, temporal and spiritual, and so unworthy of them, we come to acknowledge, Lord, how often we fall short. We transgress your law, and we fall short of the example which Christ has left us to follow. We acknowledge, Lord, our sins. How often we grieve the Spirit of God. We ask your forgiveness. We pray that you would cleanse us, Lord. And how often we fall short. We thank you that we can come to you. Forgive us, everyone, for our uncharitable attitudes, for our unworthy motives, for the unkind words which we have spoken, for the uncaring actions, and for the unchristless dealings with others. We thank you that your word tells us that if we confess that you are faithful and just to forgive, and the blood of Christ God's Son will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we come, Lord, and seek you, and that you would deepen your work of grace in all our hearts to make us more like him who loved us and gave himself for us, and to left us an example to follow. And your word reminds us that we are not our own, that we are bought with a price. Therefore, we are to glorify you in our bodies and in our souls, which you have purchased as your own. So go before us into the future, we pray. Take from us everything that is unworthy, everything that is untrue. And we pray with David, may cleanse from sin and truly wash. Create within us a clean heart and renew a right spirit within us. Setting your affections upon the things that are above, where Christ is, there, Lord, to wander before your throne, to marvel at your grace and your patience with us, your goodness which you have showered upon us in providence and in grace, and we are so unworthy of the least of them. Yet, Lord, we thank you that out of your fullness have your people in every age received grace upon grace. Bless us now, Lord, as we wait upon you in the singing of your praises, in the reading and meditating upon your truth. Take from us everything that would grieve your spirit this day or would cloud your face from us so that our fellowship might be with you and with your Son through the Spirit of God to worship you as you deserve and to thank you and to marvel on you at the God that you are of your dealings with us. Go before us, we pray, for we ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. I wonder if you've ever been to the zoo. You will have seen some nature programs on TV, I'm quite sure, with all different animals and birds. And today we're going to visit the Bible Zoo. There are many animals and birds mentioned in the Bible, and this morning we're going to look at this animal here. Do you know what that animal is? Yes? 
No, no, very like it. It's a, it's a leopard. Jeremiah said, Can and the Ethiopian change the skin or the leopard its spots? Neither can you do good who are accustomed to do evil. Now the leopard, the spotted animal, is a member of the cat family and is smaller than a tiger, which it resembles in its fierceness. Leopards are about four feet long and with the tail three feet in length. And most leopards are light-coloured, fawn, pale fawn with dis- distinctive dark spots, which are called rosettes, because they resemble the shape of a rose. The leopard is so strong and is comfortable in trees that it often hauls its kill up into the branches. By dragging the bodies of large animals aloft, in the hope of keeping it safe from scavengers like the hyena. Leopards can also hunt from trees, where their spotted coats allow them to blend with the leaves until they spring with deadly poise. Now, the black spots in the leopard are natural. The distinguishing marks of a leopard are its black spots. So Jeremiah therefore asks, Can a leopard change its spots? Neither can you do good who are accustomed to do evil. Can a leopard change its spots? The answer the Bible gives is no. A leopard cannot change its spots. This, that is just how a leopard is. Spots are natural. These dark spots, rosettes, are natural to the leopard. A spotted animal. Now what the Bible is saying is this. Just as the leopard cannot change its spots, no more can we change our sinful nature. We are born sinners. Nobody had to teach us to do bad things. Every one of us was born with a sinful heart. We all know this. Where do these naughty things We think, we say, and do come from? Well, Jesus' answer is, from within. That's where they come from. So the first truth we are to learn is that we, we cannot ever change our dark, spotted hearts any more than a leopard can change his dark spots. And the next thing we learn is that we need new hearts. What the Bible calls making us new within, new creations. Sin is so strong in each one of us, right in the centre of our being. It is so natural to us that we cannot become children of God unless the Holy Spirit of God does a new work deep within. It is inside that you and I are all wrong. And the third thing is this. The Bible, which tells us of the impossibility of us ourselves changing our nature, our sinful nature, our sinful hearts, also tells us the great good news that God can do this very thing. I will give you, said God, a new heart, and I will put a new spirit within you. God gives us a new heart and changes us right within this a heart which wants to love 
and to please God and longs to do his will. So we are to remember then the lesson from the leopard, the spotted animal. It is impossible for us to change our sinful nature as it is for a leopard to change its spots. But the great good news is that God, by his Spirit, can and does change sinners from within, making them new people in Christ, the Christ who came not to be served, but to serve and to give us life that we might live. Ask him then, if you are not already know him, to give you that new heart. Let us again then sing to God's praise in the Sing Psalms number 51, verses Mark 1 to 9, four stanzas of the, of the Sing Psalms number 51. O my God, have mercy on me. In your steadfast love I pray. In your infinite compassion my transgressions wipe away.
Our scripture reading is taken from St. Luke's Gospel, chapter 8, and reading from verse 40. St. Luke's Gospel, chapter 8, and reading from verse 40. Now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue, and falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house, for he had an only daughter, about twelve years of age, and she was dying. As Jesus went, the people pressed around him, and there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for twelve years, and though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, Who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling, falling down before him, declared in the pre presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her daughter, Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Amen. And may the Lord bless unto us the reading of his word. Let us again draw near to God in prayer. Eternal and ever-blessed Lord, we thank you for your day, which reminds us of the triumph and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he is risen, that he is now ascended to the right hand where he ever lives to make intercession for us. And we thank you that we can come to you this day to, uh, uh, without prayers of intercessions for others, for your cause. We pray for the preaching of the gospel everywhere where it is proclaimed today, that you would wing it home with such authority and conviction and power by your Holy Spirit that the dead would hear the voice of the Son of God and live, and those who are yours, that they would be encouraged through the preaching of the Word of God, strengthened in their faith, corrected in their thinking and their, our lives all, brought into line with the th truths of your word. We thank you, Lord, for every means that is used to propagate the truth over radio and into lands where your word is not permitted to be proclaimed publicly. We thank you for the means that we have today to reach the unreached. So we pray for the missionary servants whom you have sent and called to go to other parts of our world with the gospel of free and sovereign grace. We ask you, Lord, your blessing upon them. Bless their endeavors as they proclaim your truth and as they seek to reach those who are yet unreached by the gospel. We thank you that you have promised before you return that you will men and women and boys and girls from every nation and tribe and kindred on earth who will be among the redeemed of Christ. And for this end, you have sent out your, your servants with the gospel so that they would hear and believe and come to know you. 
Remember the persecuted people of God this day, who can't come freely and unhindered as we can publicly to a place of worship. We ask your blessing upon them, your arms to surround them in their suffering, so often denied many of the privileges that others enjoy and that we freely enjoy. Some, Lord, detained in prison, some even put to death because they own the name of Christ. Lord, we ask your blessing upon each one of them as they seek to live for you. We pray that for your undergirding strength in their trials and tribulations, that the very presence of Christ standing with them, quietening their fears, encouraging them in their faith, upholding them in their difficulties, that they would know that around them and underneath are the everlasting arms. Hear the prayers of your people for those, Lord, in such conditions this day. We remember the troubled sports of our world and ask, Lord, today for that you, uh, for peace in the where there are Wars, remember especially Israel and Gaza, where again we see the brutality and of uh, which, and which uh, human nature is capable of. Lord, we ask you that you would quench the violence of terrorism, which spreads its tentacles throughout our world. We pray for peace in these lands. And ask you, Lord, for the leaders of the nations there and the international leaders, that they may seek peace and to restrain the hands of wicked men. We pray for those who mourn, who have lost friends and loved ones, and the devastation all around them. We pray for the injured, that they may be healed. And we remember and ask your blessing upon those who wait, for the loved ones who are incarcerated and don't know if they're living or dead. We ask you, Lord, that you would be merciful to them. And not only there, but in Ukraine as well. We pray that you, that wars may cease there too, that your restraining hand may be upon the leaders as well, and that we'll see peace restored again. Remember our own nation, in its deep need. Pray for the leaders over us, that you would grant them wisdom, that they would seek to live, Lord, and to rule in accordance with your word, ever conscious that, like us all, they too have to give account of their delegated authority. Make them conscious that righteousness alone will exalt a nation so that we would seek that they would seek to lead us in accordance with thy truth and for the great blessing and good of those whom they serve. We remember this day those who are less fortunate than we are ourselves, who cannot come to a place of worship, the infirm and the elderly, those who are laid aside, we commit them to you, those who mourn, that your comfort may be known by them, that you would draw near to them in their hour of need. Those who are this day 
going through difficult providences, we ask you that you would sustain them, that you would uphold them, Lord, and that they would know us only you can, that peace, give them that peace within, even though they are surrounded by turmoil and uh, and all the difficulties that they meet at this time, and the doubts that they may have, that they, you would quieten them, and that the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, may rule their hearts. We commit them lovingly to you. You know each one of us here this morning. You know every need. You know our down-sitting and our uprising. You understand our thoughts are far off. You know every need that we have. And they are many. And they are deep. But we thank you that you are a God who is able to meet our every need out of your abundant riches in Christ Jesus. Whatever our need is today, we pray that you would meet it. You need our need, Lord, of yourself to speak directly into our hearts. Our need to be guided by you. Our need, Lord, to be assured of your promises. Our need, Lord, of direction for the future. Our need for sustaining for the present. And our need to be conformed more and more to be like him whose we are and who purchased us with precious blood. Bless us now, Lord, as we continue to worship you in your praising of your name in meditating on your truth. And what we ask for ourselves, we ask for the evening service as well, and for your servant who proclaims your truth there, that you would stand among them and us in all your risen power, making this hour of worship and hallowed hour, for we ask it all, along with the pardon and forgiveness of all our transgressions, in the precious name of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who loved us and gave himself for us, and for his sake alone. Amen. Let us again sing to God's praise in the Psalm 27. The metric, uh, so, sorry, uh, sing Psalms, Psalm 27. The verses marked 4 to 8, five stanzas of the metrical psalm number 27. One thing I plead before the Lord, and this I seek always, that I may come within God's house and dwell there all my days. The metrical psalm number 27, the verses marked 4 to 8, five stanzas. One thing I plead before the Lord, and this I seek always. One thing I
Let us turn now, seeking God's blessing, to that section of the Scriptures which we read together. St. Luke's Gospel, chapter 8, and at verse 43. Luke 8 and 43. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for twelve years, and though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately the discharge of blood ceased. Jesus was on his way to Jairus' house, and this woman came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment, and she was healed. Now there are three truths that we want to look at together this morning on the account of the healing of this woman. First of all, there is her condition without Christ. And secondly, there is her coming to Christ. And then there is her confession of Christ. First of all, then, her condition without Christ. We are told here in verse 43 that she had been subject to bleeding. She was suffering from hemorrhage. Now, according to Leviticus 15, of a woman, uh, had, uh, a woman who had an issue of blood like this, she was ceremonially unclean. She was under the ban of the law and she was not allowed to come into the service of the temple or share in fellowship with her fellows. Like leprosy, her condition kept her from mingling freely with others. In fact, Mark calls it a plague. She knew she was an outcast. She must have been a very lonely person. Under the ban of the law, she was continually reminded of her condition, had no access into the service of God, banned and outcast and unclean. And her hemorrhage, which she felt in her body, draining her very life, which was a constant reminder to her of her condition. She knew her condition. It had physical effects. It had social effects. It had spiritual effects. She could not go to the synagogue and she could never come under the uh, teaching of the word of God in the synagogue. She could, not go, she could not go to worship God with his people. She had no fellowship with God, neither could she worship with his people. Her illness was with her every day and there was nothing that she could do to help herself. Absolutely nothing. What a picture of a sinner like myself and yourself. A sinner here conscious of, her, of his sinful condition, an awful state of heart, untouched by grace and not cleansed by the blood of Christ. A sinner because of his condition who hasn't got access into the presence of God or share in any meaningful way in the worship of God's people. Now that was the condition of this woman for 12 years, a long time. If she is a picture of a sinner in his lostness, our sinful condition has been with us as we've just been singing, from birth. Surely I was sinful at birth, said the psalmist, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. And if you are unsaved this morning, that is, according to the Bible, your spiritual condition. Lost, 
dead in sin, sinful from your mother's since your moment you were conceived. Now deeply conscious of this terrible condition, this woman sought relief and healing. She visited this doctor, then another, seeking that cure and then a supposed cure and then the other. The woman thought that human cure could help but solve her problem. And Dr. Luke here records in verse 43, but no one could heal her. Mark says in his account, she suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and she spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. Just picture this woman going to this particular doctor, telling him of her illness. He immediately replies, I have the very medicine here to cure you. It's new on the market, but of course it's expensive. But it will cure you. She paid her money, took the medicine, and her hopes were built up only to be dashed once again. Mark says, instead of getting better, she grew worse. Then she would head off to another doctor, pushing hand, but she was nothing bettered. There was no human cure for her condition. Neither, says verse 43, could she be healed of any. Now maybe that pictures yourself very well. If you're unsaved, you too have tried, and maybe still trying, doctor after doctor, a human cure for your spiritual condition. The doctor you may have tried, and a lot have tried, We've probably all tried this one. Doctor, do it yourself. You have tried to cure these deep and unruly passions of your lost and sinful heart by seeking in your own strength to subdue them and keep them in check. But you have found that the checks that you have put on them have only angered these passions and have fiercely broken through your homemade barriers, overwhelming you and left you anguished. And there you find your conscience fiercely accusing you. How true that you are nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. You may have tried another doctor. Many folk consult him. Religion is his name. And he counsels you because he tells you that he's got the cure for your condition. So you have gone to work hard at his prescription, to give a little extra to the church, to add some prayers and to do a lot of good works, to try and reconcile yourself to God. Make sure you add so much scripture reading. What happens to you with Dr. Religion is that the whole thing wearies your body and soul. You are still suffering, and you are still uncured. Religion is not the cure, so you turn to another doctor, and many seek his advice and prescription as well. Frivolity is his name. You have visited him, and you have told him of your heartache, the bleeding heart and the gaping wounds, the anxious thoughts that if you die, 
in this condition, you tell him of your hopelessness. It all fills you with dread. Oh, said this modern doctor, forget your morbid thoughts. That stuff, that's old-fashioned nonsense. Our researchers have proved that these self-imposed troubles are groundless. You need to fill your minds with something positive. Get engrossed in the gaiety of the world, the bright lights, the pleasures of life. You have sought to obey this modern doctor, and you have tried to enter into all everything that he has prescribed. But when you return home at night, the music stopped, the bright lights switched off, the gaiety over, and the quiet by yourself, your heart is still bleeding, and that more profusely. The emptiness of life, the meaninglessness of existence without Christ, impacts upon you. This woman also had spent all that she had on doctors, trying to seek a cure. And the Bible says, rather than a cure, she grew worse. Likewise, the doctors that you have and I have consulted, seeking a purpose in life, seeking peace in your heart, seeking certainty for eternity. Like this woman, you have tried all different doctors and the conclusion is the same. Verse 43, no one can heal you. For her, as for you, there is no human cure to your deep need. So her condition was hopeless. She was helpless to change it. She was now penniless and banned from mixing from her fellows, an outcast. That then is something of her condition without Christ. And notice secondly, her coming to Christ, although there was no human physician who could cure her, there was a great physician who could. Now what brought her to Jesus Christ was her sense of need. She knew that no one could heal her, but a sense of need in itself is not enough. But in her deep need, she heard of Christ. Mark tells us when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. She heard of Jesus' healing power. She heard of one who could meet her need. She believed the word that she had heard, the gospel concerning Christ. And here was the Savior who could heal her, who could save her. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. She trusted in, believed upon, rested upon him and him alone. Notice that Jesus was passing by. He was on the way to Jairus' house. She may never get another opportunity to touch Christ. He was passing by there that day. And she came up, says verse 44, behind him. She came. She knew no matter her condition, Jesus could cure her. Notice her faith, according to Matthew's account, this is what she said, If I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. What Matthew says is this, She kept on saying to herself, 
That is what the meaning of it is. If I can just touch him, I will be healed. So sure was she of the truth of what she heard that she kept on saying, If I just touch him, I will be healed. Her faith was such that she considered it sufficient for her cure just to touch his garment unnoticed. Her emphasis was on the one touched, but it was she who touched. If I may touch, but his garment. All her hope was in Christ. He was the one who was to be touched. Only Jesus, the Son of God, the Saviour of men, could heal her, could save her. Notice too that her touch was intentional, purposeful, personal. It was this believing touch by which she was saved. Notice too the certainty of faith. According to Matthew's account, she says, If I only touch his cloak, notice she didn't say, I may be, I may be healed, I will be healed. Not only the certainty of faith, but the genuine humility that goes hand in hand with genuine faith. She came behind him. She was so conscious of her unworthiness. She felt her insignificance that she hoped to go away just as she came unnoticed secretly. Just as quietly as she came, she hoped that she would slip away just as quietly. Notice that no one was ever saved who did not believe, who did not come to Jesus, who didn't touch and rest and trust the Son of God. She made contact with him. No one will ever be saved who doesn't believe. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Notice, too, that true saving faith in Christ is always rewarded. When she came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, immediately her bleeding stopped. She did not just tap his clothes. The word used here for touched means to fasten, to cling to. The same word is used by Jesus of Mary Magdalene. He said to her, do not hold on to me. That's the word that is used. She, so she just did not tap his clothes. She clutched it secretly. Jesus was her only hope. And so certain was she of his power that she clutched the edge of his robe grasped that robe. Such was her faith in the power of Jesus and trust in the Saviour she clung. She grasped that robe, touched the hem of his garment. That touch by the hand of faith and the Bible tells us she was immediately cured. Not only was her body healed but a sinful and lost soul was saved. The miracle, this miracle, 
Like the other healing miracles of Jesus is a living sign of the truth of the message that was able to transform lives and forever change them and their circumstances. The circumstances and the lives of those who came to Jesus were forever changed. I wonder, have you touched this Saviour? Have you stretched your empty hand to rest and trust and believe in him, the Lord Jesus Christ? Believe, said Acts chapter 16, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Jesus said, whoever believes in me shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So if you're unsaved this day, unconverted, if you are still, as you came into this world, untouched by grace and, and do not the Saviour, then stretch out your hand and touch the hem of his garment. Uh, touch Jesus and you too, according to the truth of the word of God. Those who believe that Jesus and will be saved. Notice too that it's because the great healer was touched. That is why power has gone out of me, said Jesus. Healing power, saving power, transforming power. Touch the life of this woman. The personal power of Christ flowing to, into her brokenness, her emptiness, her sinfulness making her a new person, saving power of Christ channeled through faith to the sinner's soul. Oh, no wonder the gospel encourages us, yes, calls us to touch this Saviour and that power will heal, change and save you. The Bible says in Mark's account that she felt in her body that she had been freed from her suffering or the word that is used, freed from her plague. That is always what Christ does. Makes sinners into new creations. Putting a new spirit within. Imparting new life. Creating a new heart. And giving them new desires. Desires to love and to follow the Lord. What a change. If anyone said Paul is in Christ Jesus... He's a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Notice too that she brought no money with her. She had none left. Neither did she bring any of the old medicines that the other doctors had prescribed. They were useless. She came empty-handed. She came just as she was. That is what the Bible encourages, how the Bible encourages to come. Ho, oh, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he that has no money, come buy and eat. Yea, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. That is how all who came by faith to Jesus came, in their helplessness, in their hopelessness. They came with the empty hand of faith and touched the living Saviour. And through that channel, 
living faith in the living Christ, the power of Christ, the transforming power of Jesus, flowed into their very souls, creating and making them new persons in Christ Jesus. Her coming to Christ. And notice finally, her confession of Christ. When this woman touched Jesus by the power by faith power went from Jesus to the woman as we saw healing power saving power and the Lord stopped and asked who touched me now of course Jesus knew who touched him for if you read Mark's account this is what it says we read Jesus looked around to see her who had done this thing it wasn't that Jesus didn't know who touched him. That isn't why he asked. But we'll see in a minute some of the reasons why he did call. Who touched me? Now many people thronged Jesus, pressed around Jesus that day. But only one person touched him by faith. There was a huge crowd there around him. A lot of them never touched him. They pressed around but they never touched Christ. But this lady did. Only one touched him. The reason why Jesus asked the question, who touched me, was that she might be brought to confess willingly and voluntarily to the work of healing and grace Christ wrought in her life. The woman thought that she could slip away as secretly as she had come behind him to touch his robe. But Christ wants all his disciples, all his followers, all who have been touched and saved by his power, not to be secret followers. He wants them to be open followers of his, to bring this woman to witness publicly. Luke tells us, Jesus said, I say to you, whosoever shall confess me before men, him shall the Son of Man also confess before the angels of God. She didn't find it easy. Of course she didn't. For it was not customary in those days for women to speak in public. Verse 47 tells us that she came trembling. It was a costly confession. Mark puts it, she came fearing and trembling. It was a humble confession. Verse 47, here we find her falling at Jesus' feet. It was a worshipful confession, bowing at the feet of Jesus, her Lord and Savior. He was the Christ in whom she trusted and who had power to heal and to save. So she worshipped at his feet. And notice too that it was a public confession. The Bible says here, that she confessed in the presence of all the people. It was a public confession. Why should she be ashamed? If you're a secret disciple, why should you be ashamed? Maybe too you have been touched by Jesus, saved by his power, changed your life, healed you spiritually, and you are worshipping him secretly well Jesus says to you like he said to this woman who touched me 
because he wants his followers to profess him publicly, to be followers not in secret only, but publicly as well. Notice too that it was an honest confession. Verse 47, she told why she had touched him. He knew all about her case, of course. It was a confession of her deep need and helplessness. She told him why she had touched him. She had tried everything. Her condition was hopeless. But she believed that there was one who could cure her. She told him why she had touched him, the reason for touching him. Because she believed in her deep need in that of healing and saving that only Jesus could save her. Only he could cure her. It was a confession of the saving and healing power of Jesus Christ and how she had been instantly healed. Verse 47. So it was a confession of the saving and healing power of Jesus to meet her deepest need. When by faith she touched him, saving power touched her life, healed her, and saved her soul. Now notice what follows her confession. We saw because of her illness, her hemorrhage, she was barred from the religious ordinances. She could not go to worship in the temple or mix freely with her fellows. She was ceremonially unclean. And here is public, Christ's public pronouncement of her healing. See the kindness of Jesus in not letting her slip away secretly. He pronounced her clean. She could now worship with his people. She could now go to the synagogue. Your faith has healed you, he said. You are healed. She was made whole. All now knew what Christ did for her. She was no longer an outcast. She now could mingle with God's people. Now confession also of Christ's saving work in her life brought assurance from the lips of Jesus. Daughter, he said. Now if, she, if he had allowed her to slip away quietly, she would never have heard these words. She is the only woman in Scripture to whom Jesus uses this word daughter. What was he saying? She is family. You're a daughter of God, an adopted daughter of the Almighty. Assurance of her position in the family of God. What a change in this woman. How kind of the Saviour not to allow her to slip away secretly. He wanted her to hear from his own lips her true condition now, daughter. It brought assurance of her condition before God. He said to her, go in peace. She is put in the right with God. Confession also brought to her from Christ a right understanding of the means by which she was healed. Your faith, he said, has healed you. Faith was the channel 
the empty channel through which the power of Christ was channeled into her life, so that it was Christ who saved. It was his power that healed. It was his work that was done in her life. It was he who changed it all. The sun rose in her darkness, and her life was completely changed. Her soul was eternally saved. This same Jesus, this miracle-working Christ, comes to us this morning in the proclamation of the gospel. He is the same today, still touches lives, heals lives spiritually, and saves them eternally, changes them completely. So the question is, have you touched the Saviour? Have you come to Christ, the Saviour of sinners? Many people like that day thronged Jesus. As the old version has it, they pressed upon him. They were around him, but never touched him. And there may be some in this place, church today, who are always in church, round around the things of Christ, but never touching him, never coming to know him. Well, he wants you to know him today. That day there were many who thronged Jesus, but only one touched him. And if there is an unsaved person here this morning, how wonderful it be for you if you touched this Christ who still saves. It is not enough to be in the throng and in the crowd. You have to touch him, come to him by faith, so that you too will hear as this woman did. Your faith has made you well, said Jesus, go in peace. Finally, confession brought an assurance of security and certain hope for the future. And if there was ever an age where we need security and certainty for the future, it's ours. But that's what Jesus gives. Go in peace. He said to her, the smile of God is upon you. He has accepted you through Christ and united you to the Saviour eternally. Go into the future in peace. Go down into death in peace. Peace with God. That relationship which not even death itself can break. What assurance this woman received from Christ. Now we see why he didn't let her slip away quietly. Because he wanted to bless her abundantly. Horatius Stafford's great hymn. For me, he said, be it Christ. Be it Christ tends to live, if Jordan about me shall roll, no pang shall be mine, for in death as in life, thou wilt whisper by peace to my soul. So Christ is saying to his own this morning, go in peace, into the future. I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. And the assurance that the psalmist had was, Yea, though I walk to the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Her condition without Christ 
are coming to Christ under confession of Christ. Amen. And may God bless unto us this word. Gracious God, we ask you that the reality of your saving touch may be known by each one of us this day so that we would go into the future not resting on anything that we are or have ourselves but wholly trusting in Christ alone for the future, for all eternity. In Christ alone is our trust. And we thank you that he is the one who has promised that he'll never forsake. Lo, I'm with you always, even at the end of the age. Hear our prayer, pardon our sin, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Our concluding praise is the Metrical Psalm number 45, verses 10 to 15 of the Metrical Psalm number 45. O daughter, hearken and regard, and do thine ear incline, likewise forget thy father's house and people that are thine. The verses marked 10 to 15. O daughter, hearken and regard.
now make grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit rest on and abide with us all now 